What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are officially wrapped up with week nine of the season. Only two games left for the 2A and 3A uh, teams. And four games left for the 4A and 5A teams as well. But before we dive into our week nine recaps, I know I don't get to bring you in very much because we kind of just get things rolling and dive right into either our game of the week or something. But we're going to switch things up a little bit. But before we dive into episode 30 and all the fun details, how are things been going with you? Uh, You know, I know everybody misses your voice because you always have some great stuff to say. So what's been going on over there in the Ramirez house? Not a lot. Same old, same old. Um. But it was a good morning. I got the notification through our email that today was the first day we published an episode a year ago. So this is something special. Uh, Episode 30 is pretty big for us. We didn't anticipate this type of takeoff for what we were doing. And we're just thankful that, that we're here. And I know that every game we go to, the experiences just get better and better. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what is to come of this football season? One of the other great things about, uh, you know, this being the one year since we've actually po- first posted our first episode was we've actually been on a pretty good hot streak uh, lately when it comes to the amount of people uh, viewing uh, our show. And I think we're seven away from extending our streak uh, from last week's episode, extending our streak to nine straight episodes of at least 100 plays or more. So, you know, it's a very big accomplishment, uh, you know, for us, definitely something we didn't anticipate 30 episodes ago, but a great feeling and a great way to kick off episode 30. But uh, let's dive right on into our week nine recap, which uh, we had some uh, Thursday night games, which featured the Maricopa Rams taking on the McClintock Chargers. And unfortunately, uh, Maricopa uh, dropped that one 21 to 12. But I know that there was a couple of players that you wanted to uh, bring to light because we're actually doing our breakout players a little bit different this week. And you had a couple of people that stood out for you for Maricopa as a couple of nominations. And who were those uh, nominees? Well, one student athlete in particular that stood out was actually shouted out by his own quarterback, Kyrie Washington for the Maricopa Rams went for 260 total yards, 10 receptions for 170 yards, and he brought in two touchdowns. And and it didn't end there because he actually had a really good uh he actually had really good numbers on the kick return uh side as well with 90 yards there. So it, it on, on the offensive side, he was a big part of that. And on the defensive side, let's talk about Ian Palm. Ian Palm is becoming a menace out there. He had 16 total tackles. Eight of them were uh, solo tackles, and six of those 16 tackles were tackles for loss. And he also brought in one interception with a couple of fumbles that he caused and brought in one fumble recovery. Well, that loss uh, brings uh, Maricopa's record to 0-6 on the season, but they'll have uh, an opponent uh, this week that could be another uh, potential close game for them, and maybe we'll uh, see if they can uh, finally pick up that first victory on the season. But let's dive into our second Thursday night game, which featured the Combs Coyotes taking on the Benjamin Franklin Chargers. The Coyotes actually picked up the victory and dominated, winning 54-23. to And there was, again, two players that really stood out and became nominees for our breakout players of the week. But before we go over the game, I'll let you uh, tell the people who, who those nominees were. All right. A nominee for an offensive player of the week has to go to quarterback Tanner Hale. And then no stranger to this show, especially when it comes to receiving recognition for his play on the field is young Adam Jones. Those two players, you know, held it down for the offense. When Tanner and company were able to put up six points on the on the board, it was an easy one point after when Adam was up there. He went six for eight and had a pretty decent night. Well, that win brings uh, Combs's record to four and two on the year, and now they're on a three-game winning streak after having that one and two start. But they will have a big challenge on their hand this week. But before we get into uh, next week's matchups, let's dive into our Friday night matchups, which featured Vista Grande knocking off Pueblo thirteen to seven extending their school win streak record to five games now 
and they sit at five and two on the season. You had the Coolidge Bears taking on the Thatcher Eagles, and we knew that this was going to be a tough matchup for the Bears. We were both saying they had to play the perfect game, and even though the score says fifty six to twenty, you know I know that the Bears put up a good fight. They they all seemed like they were in pretty good spirits after the game. It was their senior night, of course, and you know it's not the results that. They, of course, wanted, you know, but not many teams have been able to answer the question that is the Thatcher Eagles. And that loss, unfortunately, knocks the Bears record to three and five on the year. But let's move into uh, Santan Foothills picking up a big victory against Shadow Mountain, winning 29 to six, which now brings their record to five and three on the year. And they are currently riding a three game win streak as well. But moving on into the Casa Grande Cougars taking on the Campo Verde Coyotes. And the Cougars uh, still were not able to get that offense going this week as they dropped the game 26-7 to and extend their losing streak to three games now. So I know that they want to correct the uh, these losses, you know, and it's going to be tough next week uh, because they're going to be taking on an opponent that is struggling themselves but are still held to a higher standard when it comes to uh, the teams in the 5A. The Florence Gophers knocked off the Odyssey Institute Minotaurs, winning 48-6. to And this was uh, the bounce-back game that they wanted uh, to have after uh, dropping that game to Eastmark and improving their record to 7-1 and on the season. And it's going to make things interesting and see where they rank amongst the rest of the uh, 3A division. And then you have the Battle of the American Leadership Academy schools as ALA West Foothills knocked off ALA Ironwood, winning 51-25. to And that loss drops ALA Ironwood to 1-6 on the year. And it, it was pretty tough because uh, they finally were able to get Connor Malt back uh, this week, and he did uh, an excellent job, put up a great performance, but unfortunately it wasn't enough to pick up a victory uh, for uh, the Warriors. But uh, lastly, let's move into our game of the week, which featured the Apache Junction Prospectors traveling down to Post and Butte to take on the Broncos, and this was actually a very exciting game. I mean, it was 14-7 at halftime. Post and Butte ended up picking up the victory, winning 28-14. to This win uh, improves Post and Butte's record to 4-2 and and unfortunately drops Apache Junction to 4-2 and as well. But uh, what was your um, favorite experience uh, about being out at Post and Butte? I would definitely say the game atmosphere. The way that the entire field and school is set up, you know, it played host to a really good game. One thing was for sure is they were definitely hitting hard in this game. And I didn't know what was going to happen coming into the second half. But watching Post and Butte pull away was was something different, especially how they were able to contain young Gavin Limongello out there when he was being so elusive. But they pretty much held him within, you know, reason. Yeah. And uh, talking to uh, Coach Dane Thompson uh, after the game, he pretty much uh, summed it up on what it took to uh, contain not only uh, Gavin, but but trying their best to contain Isaiah and uh, Garrett Garcia as well. And he said that they took a little bit of what they did against uh, them last year in trying to bring pressure and not allow uh, Gavin to sit in the pocket the whole game. Which, uh, you know, you could see that from time to time, especially early on in the in the first half. And then you've seen an emergence of uh, Connor Lopez uh, playing a lot of defense uh, in the second half and uh, didn't play his normal tight end position. And that seemed to also uh, impact the game as well as the Broncos were able to put uh, a lot of pressure on Gavin and he wasn't able to... Uh, be his elusive self and be able to extend the play because early on I started seeing that like okay how are they going to contain him because once he's ready to go he's going to run and you know he'll sit in that pocket as long as uh, his line is protecting him and be able to make a big throw uh, down the field but coming into that second half uh, Post and Butte made the the best adjustments and were able to uh, shut down Apache Junction which was a very big surprise for me. I knew it was a possibility, so that's why I chose them, and I didn't want to fully back Apache Junction, but it was a really hard-earned win, and I was glad to be there and actually watch it, and both teams have a really good future ahead of them. 
getting actually to, like you said, talk to coach after the game and catch up with a couple of players. It was a really good experience. I think that the playoffs are, are uh, a definite future for both Poston and Apache Junction. It's just a matter of where they'll be now. Both of their records are the same at four and two. So with four more games left on, on their schedules, it's going to be a really close call to see who ends up on top between the two. Well, since we're on the topic of playoffs, let's dive into our AIA rankings, which have just been updated as of uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday. Uh, every Tuesday, they will update their current rankings all the way from the open division to the 1A divisions. And so uh, we got the most recent uh, rankings for you guys. Uh, so uh, in 5A, Casa Grande is still in the playoffs. As of right now, they sit at number 15. Uh, while Maricopa is at 42. In the 4A division, you have Post and Butte moving up to 7, while Apache Junction falls to 13. And there's uh, Combs hanging on right there at 15, while Vista Grande is still on the outside looking in. Even though they've won five in a row, they sit currently at 20. In the 3A division, you have Florence at number 8, Santan Foothills at number 13, Coolidge at 24, and ALA Ironwood at 35. And in the 2A divisions, you have Sequoia Pathway barely hanging on right now at number 16, while Santa Cruz is slowly creeping up, but still have a ways to go as they are number 22. Any surprises here for you, or is this kind of where you expected each team to be? Sequoia Pathway still being 16 in that very competitive 2A conference. I think it was unfortunate for them to have their homecoming game canceled and for them to actually pick up the victory on forfeit. It's kind of like an even trade for their victory that they picked up in their first game against Trivium Prep. Uh, I I don't feel like they should be 16. I feel like them being at 16 is, is a little bit of disrespect, but it's not too far of a fall back. When you look at the teams that got moved ahead of them, um, because they actually had really big wins. So I think that Sequoia Pathway, as long as they keep turning it up right now, they they'll they'll move up and they have to expect to play a really tough team in the, in the first round because they'll be in the bottom of that bracket. I think what's hurting both Sequoia Pathway and Santa Cruz is the people that are in their division. I mean, outside of Gilbert Christian and maybe Chandler Prep, everybody else is not going to give you the strength of schedule or the results that you're looking for because as I'm slowly starting to dissect what the AIA kind of does, strength of schedule we know is number one. It's the biggest thing that they look at is your strength of schedule. And whenever you have, so for instance, I'm going to take the Combs versus Coolidge game. Combs would probably be a, a little bit higher than what they are if somebody like Coolidge had a couple uh, more wins in that column because a lot of people expected Coolidge to have a better record than where they're at. But now that they're not winning as much as we thought, it impacts your strength of schedule because it's like, okay, that was supposed to be a big victory. And if you play a team like, you know, Sequoia Pathway playing Sabino, even though they lost, Sabino is going to continuously win and make your strength of schedule even better. And that's where you're starting to see all these teams kind of plateau, you know, especially for somebody like uh, Santa Cruz, who, yeah, the quality of victories are not there, but they don't have nobody to help bump themselves up in those victories because those teams are continuously losing as well. But I know uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we got to respect what the AIA puts out because they're the deciding factor on who's going to make it you know no matter what me and you decide to put out each Sunday or Monday with our power rankings those don't matter you know at the end of the day it's just an opinion of two guys who sit down and try to figure out how to balance 12 schools who play in four different conferences it's not easy you know and some teams do play tougher teams than others but at the same time do we reward teams for playing tougher teams and not making it competitive or do we reward teams for having an easy schedule but are picking up victories because you know if you look at at our standings and then you kind of compare them to Pinal Central they're almost similar you know a couple of big differences here and there you know with a couple of teams but if you look at it they had Florence number one sitting at seven and one 
Some people might think that Florence's quality of wins are not there. The only major victory they have is against Coolidge. And the biggest game that they had was not very competitive against Eastmark. So, you know, a lot of people don't see that as a big factor, but you got to find some kind of equal balance. And the strength of schedules is only a piece of the pie for us. You know, where the AIA, that's the big thing. What are you doing with your schedule right now? And are you being competitive in beating these teams? Because if you look at some of the records, the open division or the 1A division, there's going to be teams in there that maybe have two or three wins that are still in the playoffs. So, you know, always remember that, that the AIA has that ultimate decision and strength of schedule is a big thing. One thing I will say is I totally agree with what you said earlier is the rankings do not matter. Our rankings don't matter. Pinal Central's rankings don't matter. And I'll even boldly say this, AIA's rankings don't matter. I'll say that because last year, Casa Grande was ranked number two and Post and Butte was ranked number one. If you look at those numbers blindly, you'll automatically assume that Post and Butte is the better team. Casa Grande proved otherwise. So that's why I, I always say the rankings don't matter. These are for fun. These are just for us to, like you said, try to paint our perception of the landscape and say, this is what this is our top team. And as long as there's those brass rings for teams to to capture out there, that's going to be good for them. They're going to have a reason to play every week. They're going to be like, hey, I want that recognition. Hey, I want that that award. You know, the this team that had it before, that was cool, but I can do better. I like that competition. One thing for sure, and we've talked about this before, is I know that there's teams in the 4A conference that a team in 2A like Sequoia Pathway or even Santa Cruz could be. If I want to get specific, there's a team in 4A by the name of Rio Rico that I feel like Santa Cruz and Sequoia Pathway could beat them and beat them pretty badly. Or even like uh, Rincon uh, University. There's teams in divisions that probably shouldn't be in there. And, you know, I hope that in the future, the AIA will see a team like Maricopa. They've been in the 5A, you know, for a while now and haven't had the opportunity to move down yet. And we're seeing the results of it. I mean, they're about to open up what the fourth school in Maricopa. Uh, actually, it's already open in Desert Sunrise. Uh, they're just not playing at the varsity level yet. But you have four schools and I know Maricopa is growing. But to me, it's not a Tempe or a Chandler. It's not at that level yet oh, where yeah. where these guys can afford to be successful by by losing players to other schools. But if you look at some of those schools like Sequoia Pathway, uh, even Heritage Academy, even though they're not in any of our divisions as of yet, there are schools that are growing. Now you'll bring in Desert Sunrise, who will be a 4A varsity team next year. How do you expect a school like Maricopa, who's, yes, they are a big school, they're a 5A school. How do you expect them to retain players when there's other opportunities and the other opportunities are a little bit more successful than what a 5A school is. How do you retain players like that in a community where it's not a Phoenix or Tucson type of place? I feel like their only option is to be reassigned back into 4A, maybe even into 3A. I don't know if if that's something that the AIA is willing to do is drop a team down uh, two divisions, but that would definitely be a big boost for Maricopa we've seen it constantly there's a lot of players that leave that city not necessarily that school in general but that city to other schools and other cities like Casa Grande and Vista Grande so it's it's tough to to witness them actually go through these struggles and to actually communicate with some of the players there and they're they're not negative at all they're they're trying their best and Mm -hmm. and the thing that I love about these student athletes from there is that they're very positive. No matter how bad the the deck is stacked against them, they come back every week and they look to improve. And their fight shows coming in from quarter to quarter to see their improvement. And and unfortunately, the way they you know drop down and ultimately lose the game, it's it's tough. But that that's the only way I see them having that type of competitive hold in that city, especially with them having so many different options as far as education and for athletics, their their only option is to 
to bring some competitive spirit back into the 4A. And I feel that, you know, the AIA definitely has to look at those uh, schools like Americopa, like a Rincon, Rio Rico. I know Rio Rico just moved down, I believe, uh, to uh, 4A. But there's got to be a way to help these schools become competitive because, I mean, me and you have talked about it. We've talked about it with our buddy uh, Chris Kidney down in Tucson is a lot of these schools, uh, these big schools like Hamilton and, you know, Chandler, they can afford for players to sit out when they transfer to their schools. If you do, if you go look at their rosters, they're 40, 50 kids deep on varsity alone. And those are basically seniors and juniors. Then you go down to their JV level, another 40 kids who are a sophomore and junior, and then they are have enough kids to have their own freshman team. So any kid that wants to go play over there or transfers over there and they sit out five games, it does nothing for a program like that. But when you're asking teams from a community or an area like we grew up in, you can't afford that. You know, you've seen the impacts uh, with Vista Grande to start the season. You've seen the impacts with uh, Sequoia Pathway or uh, Coolidge as well. When people leave this community, we're losing a lot of talent for kids to go in and try to better not only their education, but their athletic careers. And, you know, we'll never uh, tell a kid, hey, don't do that. You know, you do whatever is in the best interest of you and your family. But at the same time, it's like the schools that are struggling right now, they come from smaller communities, you know, in our area and don't have the ability to keep up, especially in the 4A or 5A levels. And I can't imagine if we ever get a team that moves into 6A. But if there is one thing I could say to interject, I would say the Vista Grande Spartans out of every booster club I've seen has the most input in their their football team. If you look at Vista Grande, they have an enormous amount of uniform options and helmet options. So they're well taken care of as far as you know their community involvement and their ability to, to keep up financially. Um, but there's other teams that that aren't able to to keep up that way. I see a team like Coolidge and Santa Cruz, you know, teams like that. They don't get new jerseys often. They they have to to make do with what they got or pick up victories, win state championships. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the only way that these guys are able to get a bigger funding for their uh, program and be able to maybe even attract kids to like not recruiting them but attract kids to be like hey you know what maybe i do want to go play over there for even if it's a smaller school maybe i do want to go play over there you know but i know we got a little bit off track uh in regards to the rankings i know uh, me and you had been discussing it uh all week on what to expect uh, when the AIA put these uh, rankings out. But just know, you know, at the end of the day, this is uh, the results uh, so far at the end of week nine. These are where the teams uh, lie. Uh, And if the season ended right now, I mean, we would have seven Pinal County teams in the playoffs. And that's pretty good coming from a community where a lot of people don't give this county the respect that they deserve. And if you think about it, and I know whatever the final result is on the amount of teams, they're going to go out there and do the best uh, that they can uh, to make a strong playoff push. But let's uh, move on into our breakout players of the week. And so this week was a little bit different. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, we posted for the first time three nominees for each category for special teams, defense, and offensive players of the week. And uh, why don't you uh, let everybody know uh, which players were nominated, and then we'll get into uh, those results. For our offensive player of the week nominees, we have Kyrie Washington of the Maricopa Rams, Joshua Jackson of the Florence Gophers, Tanner Hale of the Combs Coyotes. Now on defense, we have Grant Johnson of the Casa Grande Cougars, Connor Lopez of the Post and Butte Broncos, and Ian Palm of the Maricopa Rams. Now wrapping it up with the special teams is Nick Avalos Lara of Apache Junction, Tyler from Florence, and Adam Jones, no stranger to this this segment, from the Combs Coyotes. These players were all nominated for this award and deserve a great round of applause now i'll allow you to get into who picks up the award for the offensive player of the week for the offensive player of the week um 
this man has been balling for the last few weeks, actually practically all season. And, you know, uh, keeping his team in every single game and actually has them sitting in a playoff spot right now if the season ended today. We're going to give that award to Mr. Tanner Hale, who went 18 for 22 with 449 total yards and seven total touchdowns. He basically uh, put the Coyotes on his back on the offensive side and had himself an amazing performance. And this is his first Breakout Player of the Week award. So uh, once again, congratulations, Tanner, and keep balling out, man. I know your team has to love having you uh, under center and uh, leading the Coyotes uh, to victories week in and week out. Uh, But let's move into our Defensive Player of the Week. Who are uh, we going to give those honors to? That recognition will go to no one other than Ian Palm of the Maricopa Rams. With 16 total tackles, one fumble recovery, two caused fumbles, and an interception, it, it, it's a no-brainer. I, I, I touched on it earlier. This is his second Defensive Player of the Week award, and the kid's got mad talent. And the way that his teammates and, and everybody around him you know, speaks highly of him, I know that he is definitely something special. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the near future. So congratulations, Ian. And now let's move into our special teams player of the week. Now, I named off the nominees earlier. Now, why don't you get into who the winner is? Uh, the special teams breakout player of the week. Going to go to uh, Tyler for going six for seven on his point after touchdowns. And this will be his first special teams uh, breakout player of the week award. Uh, he definitely came up clutch uh, on the special teams uh, department for his team. So congratulations, Tyler, and uh, congratulations to the rest of our breakout players of the week and to uh, our nominees because those guys definitely uh, deserve uh, some shine this week. And I'm proud to say we are at almost 100% of teams who have uploaded their stats and provided us this information. That's why we wanted to do something special this week and have some nominees uh, for our breakout players of the week because it has been a struggle this whole year to find at least three players in each category that are not on the same team or don't come from one team. So now that we have almost all of our teams with stats uploaded and updated, you see the results and you see how many players can get some love and get some shine on some amazing performances. So I hope uh, that the coaches and players can continue to uh, provide us with this information because it was a lot of fun debating and going back and forth because every one of those guys were definitely deserving of some recognition and a breakout player of the week award. Uh, But let's dive into our upcoming games this week as we have games on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. So it's going to be a long weekend uh, for both of us. We'll only be attending one game, though. That's all we can uh, be able to do uh, uh, for right now. But um, our Thursday matchup is going to be a big game. Exciting. As it features the Snowflake Lobos taking on the Apache Junction Prospectors. And the Lobos uh, currently sit at 4-2 and two, as well as Apache Junction. And Snowflake is number five in the 4A division, while Apache Junction sits at 13. What is your prediction uh, for this matchup on Thursday night? My prediction is this. AJ coming off of a really tough loss in Post and Butte, they're going to want some retribution. And that low number right next to Snowflake's name, AJ's going to be gunning for that. They're going to want that higher number. Granted, they they lost a really tough game in, in Santan Valley, but this is no excuse to just lay down and, and accept defeat. I feel like it's going to be a really competitive match. It sucks that we won't be able to be there because this is the second week in a row where we had really competitive games Thursday, uh, Thursday to Friday. We were supposed to have a Saturday game, but that game got canceled. So... Uh, I think it's it's going to be a really good game to start off the week. Still, again, I'm going to bring it back up. Who are you going to take? Apache Junction. I got Apache Junction on this one. I think this is going to be harder than last week picking between Post and Butte and AJ. You know, and unfortunately, I was I was wrong on that prediction. But I think I'm going to side with you and go with Apache Junction as well. I mean, it's a long trip uh, for Snowflake uh, to head down uh, to Pinal County. 
Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know that Snowflake is not no walkover. They were not that in 3A last year, and they're definitely uh, proving their dominance here in, in the 4A in their first season. All I know is that it has to be a big game from the trio of Apache Junction and and a good day uh, from their defense. You know, I, I, I believe their defense is pretty uh, underestimated because they have uh, players playing on both sides of the ball. But... Just know that Snowflake is going to come to play, but I will give the edge to Apache Junction. Now for Friday, let's start it off with something exciting. And by exciting, I mean an undefeated team. The Marcos Deniza Padres will welcome the Combs Coyotes. Now Marcos Deniza is 6-0 and while Combs is 4-2. and And Combs is ranked 15th while Marcos Deniza is 4. Do you think that Marcos Deniza gets their first loss on this game? Before I answer that, just imagine if AJ and Combs pick up a victory. You got Marcos Deniza at four, Snowflake at five. There's going to be a lot of adjustments uh, come the next rankings for the AIA. But, man, this is a tough one. I seen what Marcos Deniza did to Vista Grande the first game of the season. Their defense flies all over the field. And, you know, their offense and their offense can put up some points. But the way that my boy uh, Tanner Hale is playing right now and the rest of that Combs Coyotes team, I'm going to go with the Coyotes to pick up the upset and give uh, the Padres their first loss of the season. And I know it's going to be an exciting feeling because if Combs is able to pick up this win, that should ultimately set them up to pretty much be a lock for the playoffs because I feel Apache Junction and Post and Butte are a little bit closer uh, to wrapping up a playoff spot. But a win for the Coyotes over the number four team in 4A will definitely do a lot for their rankings. So I'm sticking with uh, Tanner Hale and the Combs Coyotes. I'm going to agree with you for three different reasons. One, I want, of course, I want our Pinal County team to win. Two, I want Marcos Deniza to suffer a loss right now, not for the same reason, you know, one may think, but they're actually having a really good year this year. This is something that they haven't seen in a while. So I want them to suffer a defeat right now so that way they don't go into the end of the year undefeated and then have to suffer that tough loss in the playoffs. I want them to learn from this now and then and then adjust from it later. The third reason is, of course, Tanner Hale. The way he's been playing lately, like you said, if he's able to succeed against this Marcos Deniza team, he's something special. Well, I know I'm going to probably be uh, hearing a lot of Tanner Hale to Hunter Claire uh, connection Friday night. And, you know, it's going to be a very great matchup. And I wish uh, we were able to take that trip out there uh, to see this game. But I don't know if I want to be... at Marcos Deniza, if uh, Combs uh, does pick up the upset. Uh, but let's move on into uh, the Coolidge Bears traveling to Eastmark to take on the Firebirds. Uh, the Bears are 3-5 and five on the season, while Eastmark sits at 7-1 and one with their lone loss to the Thatcher Eagles. Coolidge right now, um, I don't know if we can really say that they have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, this win would definitely help it if they are able to pick up a victory. They currently sit at number 24, while Eastmark is the number two team in 3A. Are you going to give the Bears a chance to be able to knock off the Firebirds? You know what? I hate that you framed that question that way because you said, am I going to give them a chance? Because I'm not giving them a chance. The The, the way that I saw Eastmark playing against Florence and the way that Coolidge has been off track and seemingly okay with riding off the rails. Yeah, East Eastmark is not going to go easy on them. We we've we've touched on this in the past. They know exactly who is under center on that other side. And yeah, there 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 might be some homies and some friends off the field, but when those helmets and pads go on, there's no such thing as friends on the other side. That's one thing I know for sure is I saw that on full display when we saw the Sabercats play the Ironwood Warriors and, and we saw Dallas out there taking big hits but also giving big hits out too. I expect the same thing in this game. I'm going to agree with you and say that Eastmark does pick up the victory here. Even though I know uh, Gianni's going to want to have the best game of his career and you know to pick up a victory against Eastmark, this team is too deep. Their coaching staff has this team well-disciplined. And, you know, we saw what happened against Florence and how they were able to not only shut down the run, but their pass as well. 
So uh, I'm going to side with uh, East Mark on that one. But but I do hope the Bears do pull it out. Um, it's just I know that East Mark is that team. You know, they are a tough team. I mean, they just beat Sabino, I believe, by almost 40 points uh, last Friday. So that goes to show how how much they're clicking right now uh, this late in the season. Uh, but let's move on into an interesting matchup here uh, with uh, two teams um, who are trying to find their groove right now. You have the Horizon Huskies who sit at three and three, and they're going to be traveling down to uh, Casa Grande to take on the Cougars, who are also three and three on the season and riding a three game losing streak. Currently right now, Horizon actually sits at number six in the 5A uh, division, while Casa Grande sits at 15. We know that this is a must win for the Cougars. Do you think that their offense can finally get it going and put up some points against the defending 5A champions? I see this as a clash of champions. Last year's 5A and last year's 4A champions are going to go at it this time in Al Van Hazel Stadium. Um, They've suffered three tough losses. And we've talked about this in, in the past ad nauseum about them losing to a really tough 6A team in Castillo, having to go the very next week and try to play Higley at home and it not go their way at all, and then have to go on the road again last week and suffer a huge loss to Campo Verde. Um, They need to come out fiery in this one. And it doesn't matter what color uniform they have. It doesn't matter if it's black, yellow, white, blue, purple, or, or whatever. Uh, whatever you're wearing doesn't matter. The performance from the player in that jersey is what matters. You you need to do your best. We're not downing you guys. We we, we have our doubts, but so does everybody else. Um, and those doubts don't mean that we don't believe in you. We just see the toughness in the com- uh, competition that you're playing. And we've also seen how you reacted to adversity in the past, or at least this past season, and, and we worry about it. But I think that they actually might have a chance in this one. The way that both teams are sitting at 3-3 three and three right now, it's still right in the middle of the season. They're one game over the halfway mark. I think Casa Grande has it in them to turn it around. And, and for them to have this as their turnaround victory, I know this is the game to make it happen. For me, this is a, a tough one. You know, I've been going back and forth uh, quite a bit on how – Casa Grande can be competitive against Horizon. I will say that the past three games, it seems like only one half of their team is showing up, and that's on the defensive end. They're doing everything in their power to try to keep their offense in the game. I mean, you're seeing them pick up six-plus sacks the last three weeks, but the offense doesn't have anything to show for it, you know, as far as producing points. This may be a game where... Casa Grande's defense or even their special teams have to somehow put some points on the board and maybe that will have an impact to kickstart their offense because to me if their offense cannot do anything against this team and I know that they played Castile already you know um, I thought that they would have been able to put up points against Higley and put up a little bit more points against Campo Verde but if their offense is not able to produce you're going to see another game like you've seen the last three weeks. And unfortunately, I don't feel that their offense is clicking enough to be able to knock off the Huskies this week. So I'm going to go with the Huskies uh, to pick up the victory. And that's just because of the inconsistencies on the Cougars offensive end. If you if they're able to somehow get a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown, maybe that might just spark something on that offense and in that team as a whole to say, hey, you know what? Let's go. That's just what we needed. But uh, for this week, I'm going to be sticking with the Huskies. If you could pinpoint one factor, what in your imagination do you believe has been the downfall of the Cougars this far? It hasn't been necessarily competition, is it? I think it is. I mean, you have a team that played a fairly easy schedule in 4A last year. You know, they didn't get the respect that uh, they felt they deserved uh, among the AIA. But now it almost seems like a punishment uh, from the AIA to put them in. Not 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 saying that they're not a 5A team. They're definitely a 5A team, uh, speaking of the Cougars. 
but they put them in the t- what I consider one of the toughest regions in 5A. And, and if you don't see what I'm talking about, go look at the other team that came up with them in Mesquite. They currently sit at one and five on the year. They're in the same region as uh, Casa Grande. So it, like I said, it almost seemed like because they were so successful and, you know, I know ALA, Queen Creek and and those other 4A teams that went to the open eight competition will say otherwise. But I feel that Casa Grande is in the wrong region right now. Not saying that they can't be competitive in the coming years. It was just the hand that they were dealt and it came with the force of the teams that they're playing. And I know Castile is a 6A team, but outside of Central, which was the last victory they had, the other teams that they've played and the other teams that they will continue to play the rest of the season, they really only have maybe a shot to win two of those games because of how competitive that region is. But that that's my thing. I feel that, that yes, they are in uh, a competitive 5A, but they're in the most competitive region out of all the regions in 5A. What about you? I feel like the elephant in the room is Fatty. His performance has been a big factor in how they've been underachieving. Um, his stat line just isn't what it used to be. I, I, I'm wondering what happened to his confidence or, or what's going on with not necessarily his protection, but what happened from the games with Maricopa, Central, and Fairfax that didn't translate after that really tough loss from Castile? I mean, it could be a plethora of things. I mean, it could be injuries, eligibility, um, you know, maybe it's the offense of line having to play on both sides of the ball uh, just because they don't have much depth. I mean, I, I really couldn't pinpoint it to one thing on what's going on, but yeah, it's uh, his stat line is not the same. And, you know, we'll definitely have to uh, ask coach Luna, you know, what he feels has been the issue and how they plan on changing that. Because I mean, right now they're, they're in the playoffs, you know, they got to win. This is a big one that they have to win. But uh, I won't hold us up too much longer on uh, this game. So let's move on into the Florence Gophers uh, taking on the ALA Ironwood Warriors. Uh, Florence is coming in at 7-1 and one, while the Warriors sit at 1-6. and six. Florence is the number 8 team in the 3A uh, division while ALA Ironwood sits at number 35. Is this going to be another easy victory for the Gophers? Or do you think that the Warriors might surprise them? You might think I'm a little bit crazy. But when you look at them, it's the tale of two cities. But, I mean, they're not too far away. But their records are kind of eerily similar but opposite. The Gophers have had this storybook year that kind of not necessarily came to a halt but kind of came back down to earth in their matchup against Eastmark. ALA, on the other hand, hasn't had a victory since since week two when they faced Globe and won 32-6. to It's unfortunate to see them in this position, but I believe in miracles. It could happen. I can see, I can see Connor Malt and the boys taking this one. And I remember talking to Connor and him saying, hey, you, you don't think we can win this? Or are you just talking crap? Or is that just media stuff? No, this isn't media stuff. And, and Connor, if you're listening... Hope you are. Win this one. Prove me right that you're going to win this one and, and you're going to you're going to prove that the Gophers fairy tale season, you know, doesn't exist in your realm, that you're, you're, you're writing a different story now. And if you can do this, you're putting yourself in very good company. So you're saying you're going to go with the Warriors to pick up the upset? I got the Warriors on this one. And I'm sorry, Ant. I know you're probably hearing this like, damn, <laughs> he really just went against us. Just cold blooded. And and. I've been going with you guys all year, but and I'm not and I'm not against it, but I kind of want to see something good happen for the Warriors. I'm not asking you to throw it. I want you to to try your best. Please believe that. But the Warriors need this one bad. And and that's why I'm I'm vouching for them. Okay, I definitely respect that. Um as for me, I'm gonna stick uh with the Gophers this week. I just feel that after that East Mark loss and that salty taste that you uh, in their mouths that you kind of felt after that game, that they're out here ready to destroy anybody in their path. 
And unfortunately, that happens to be ALA Ironwood. And I know Connor Maltz back uh, in action, which is great. And I know uh, Travis Mbouya is going to be doing his thing on the defensive end as well as at the wide receiver position. But I don't know if ALA will have enough to uh, stop that running attack uh, that the Florence Gophers displayed uh, last week with uh, Josh Jackson. And and at the same time, it was even a, a quiet day uh, for uh, Logan. You know, so they still have that aspect of their game to that they can unleash if need be. And I just think even though ALA Ironwood, I feel that their record doesn't show a one and six team. Florence is going to squeak out a victory. I don't think it's going to be a blowout victory by any means, because I have that much respect for uh, the Warriors and the type of heart that they have to compete week in and week out. I just think that that rushing attack is just going to be just a little bit too much. Okay, now let me ask you this. Who has a bigger window of opportunity for getting a win? ALA Ironwood or Coolidge? Oh, um, it's going to have to be uh, ALA Ironwood. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't go against Thatcher or Eastmark uh, just because seeing the, the type of performances that they're uh, displaying, uh, even against uh, playoff caliber teams, they're legit. And, you know, so, yeah, I do feel that ALA would have that little bit of advantage but not this week all right now let's move into another game this game is going to be in the city of maricopa as the rams welcome the camelback spartans now the spartans are three and three sitting at number 20 in the 5a division while maricopa winless at 0 and 6 sits at number 42 do you see this as a chance for maricopa to actually pick up a win or is this going to be another disappointing showing I think it's going to be a competitive game. Um, and I believe uh, this is their senior night or homecoming night. I can't remember which one. This is their first home game. Yes. On top of that, I remember uh, us reading about that first home game all year. You know what? I'm going with the Rams, man. I am going to go with the Rams. You know, I hope Vincent uh, gets himself some amazing shots of the reactions of that team and the scoreboard uh, at the end of it, because the past couple weeks I felt different about the Rams. I felt that they played against teams that they could pick up a victory, but never realized that all of it was on the road. So for them to finally be at home, which is crazy to me uh, playing six straight road games, I think it's time that you're going to see them like, Hey, you know what? We're back at home. This is the first game. Let's go out there and bring some excitement and some good energy to our home crowd and show them we're hyped up just as much as the other team, and we're ready to pick up that first victory. I really do feel that this might be a close one where they're going to sneak it out. How happy do you think they'll be to actually get out of those white uniforms and get to wear a red or maybe even a black on their home field? Oh, you definitely got to know that they're really excited. I'm sure just to not be hearing the boos or, you know, the chatter from the other sideline because it's definitely, you know, impactful, um, especially if a school brings that student section or, you know, that community that comes and packs the house. What I hope to see or hope to hear about is that Maricopa went out and packed the house, even though they're sitting winless right now, that their community is still showing them support because these guys are going to go out and fight until the end. You read uh, players like Ian Palm's stats, um, Kyrie Washington. Those are players who are leaving it out on the field. Some of them don't have the opportunity to continue uh, into next year. This is it. Why not change the course of your season by picking up your first victory at your first home game? How do you feel about uh, the Rams going into this one? I'm excited that you actually chose them because that's who I was going with. Uh, no disrespect to the Spartans, but I want the Rams to pull this one out. I, I, me, I share that same sentiment where I want Vincent to capture all those, uh, those moments where everyone's emotions are right on the surface. And, and Vincent has that eye, and we we've seen it improve week after week. Just like the Maricopa Rams, they've improved week after week. I think the fact that, like you said, the fact that they've gone this long without having a home game is insane. I think this is the turnaround. I hope for them to pull this one out, and I hope they never have to have a schedule where they have six away games on their schedule scheduled in a row. 
Well, let's go on into the post and Butte Broncos who are going to be taking on the Ben Franklin Chargers. Uh, post and Butte's uh, four and two and sit at number seven in the 4A, while Ben Franklin is one and five and sits at 39. Do you feel after that win against Apache Junction that Post and Butte is going to continue to dominate the rest of the way, uh, starting with the Chargers on Friday? I feel like they're going to make easy work of the Chargers. Post and Butte's going to go in there and smack them. If they're listening and, and if they're able, I want them to put up at least 60 points on them. Damn. And, and, and this is just something that I can see them doing. And the way that Ben Franklin has been struggling in their new placement this year, it's uh, it's something I'm anticipating. And, and it's not like something that seems far-fetched or, man, he really hates Ben Franklin. No, Ben Franklin's not Seton Catholic. I want Post and Butte to continue this momentum that they're on and, and just take them out. And I think that they can do just that. I definitely agree. I think it's going to be a dominant win uh, for the Broncos. Ben Franklin is just struggling so much this year. And it goes to show that, you know, when you get placed in a different region or a different division, it does have an impact on your team. And you're seeing that with Ben Franklin. And I feel now that Post and Butte has that run game going again, uh, they're only going to continue to get better, uh, especially against a struggling team. So I will take uh, Post and Butte to win that one decisively. But moving on into our next matchup, it's going to be the Santan Foothill Sabercats taking on the Bisbee Pumas. Santan Foothill sits at 5-3 and three on the season and number 13 in the 3A division, while Bisbee is 3-5 and five and number 23 in the 2A division. This could extend Santan Foothill's win streak, I believe, to four games in a row. Do you feel that the Sabercats have what it takes to knock off the Pumas? They definitely have what it takes to knock off the Pumas. We, we talked about it off-air earlier. It was really strange to see that Santan Foothills is playing a two-way school this late in the season. Um, one thing I will say to the Sabercats is expect Bisbee to be a little bit like Benson. And what I mean by that is that it's going to be a really close game. Another thing that Santan will need to do is turn up their defense. I need to see a couple big performances by Elijah Fields, David Robiloth, Bo Cotherman. I need them just to turn it up a little bit more. Every game they've they've improved and they've been uh, trending upwards. This is going to be no different. They're going to keep moving forward, and I see them knocking off Bisbee by at least a couple scores. I think they'll have uh, no problem knocking off Bisbee. Uh, you know, they played uh, Santa Cruz uh, pretty well early on in the season, uh, but I feel that that dominant uh, run game that Santan Foothills can produce with their multiple uh, running backs. Uh, you never know who's going to shine in that backfield because they all have the ability to uh, produce the yards and uh, scores that are needed to help an offense who doesn't throw that much. And so um, I don't expect their defense, uh, you know, to take it easy on the Pumas. Uh, they're they're going to play uh, hard for four quarters and they're going to extend that win streak. Uh, I have no doubt about that. No, but I, I do see one running back in that backfield standing out. And we know Dallas is going to have something to say about that comment of, of them having multiple because he's going to show that he's definitely RB1. But not if uh, Eugenio Sandoval has anything to say about it because he's been running pretty good too. So, it, it, But either way it goes, I, I know we both will agree that uh, the Sabercats do have what it takes to uh, knock off the Pumas. But before we uh, get into our game of the week, let's go into our last Friday matchup, which is going to be the Santa Cruz Dust Devils, hopefully traveling uh, to San Pasquale uh, to take on the Warriors. Uh, Santa Cruz is currently four and three and number 22 in the 2A division, while San Pasquale is one and six and number 43. Um, I mean, I will 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, even if I could do 110%, Santa Cruz will win this game if it is played on Friday. Uh, it's not going to be closed by any means. I mean, that's just my opinion. Santa Cruz is rolling. They're balling on both sides of the ball. I mean, just to uh, see their stats against Arrete Prep, Max Rodriguez getting five sacks, uh, Nathan Harris over 1,000 yards passing this year in his first 
uh, season um, as a QB1. Uh, Jonathan Ramos having a great year. This has just been a collective performance uh, from uh, the Dust Devils that's going to continue on into this game. Would you agree? 100%. If it happens, it's going to be a good game for the Dust Devils. If it doesn't happen, it leads me to question, why does the AIA allow San Pasquale to be in uh, play with Arizona teams when it sits on that border and it's and it's on the opposite side? And, and it's obviously playing a factor in the way these games are played and whether travel is 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 able to be accommodated uh i I don't know i think uh if i were to try to pinpoint it it's going to be the amount of players coming out i mean you see the same thing happen to uh santa rita early on in the season where uh, they were forfeiting games at halftime because they didn't have enough healthy players or eligible players, whatever the case may be. Uh, San Pasquale, you know, like you said, sits on the border in the middle of nowhere of Arizona and uh, California. But, I mean, it, it just sucks because I feel later on in the week we may hear that this game might be forfeited, but, uh, you know, that would suck, you know, if they uh, make Santa Cruz travel all that way, but they didn't want to come and travel to Sequoia Pathway. But we won't uh, take up too much time on that one because we already know if the game happens, what the result will be. Uh, let's move into our game of the week, uh, which we're going to actually see one of our hottest teams in Pinal County uh, down in Tucson. As the Vista Grande Spartans will travel to Empire to take on the Ravens. Uh, Vista Grande is riding a five-game win streak. The longest win streak in school history. And they're currently on the outside looking in as they are number 20 in the 4A rankings. While Empire sits at 3-3 three and three and is not getting any love from the AIA as they sit at number 40 in the 4A division. Can Vista Grande continue this hot streak that they're on, extend that win streak to six games, or do you finally think they met their match in the Empire Ravens? Three words. Yes, they can. I'm very excited for this being our game of the week because I've been waiting for a while to see Vista play. It sucks because we didn't get to see them last year at all, and then the game that we were looking forward to seeing them play this year got rained out, so... It's it's good to know that we're going to be following them, you know, to we're going to be following them to Tucson to watch them play Empire. And I, I can't wait to get on the field, you know, dap up a couple of them players and see them play, you know, in real time. It, it's been a long time coming. And I know that a lot of Spartans are going to hear this and be very excited for, you know, Friday. And, you know, I can't wait, boys. I can't wait. So does that uh, mean you're going to have them extend that? Win streak to six games then? It goes to six. Okay. And I will definitely uh, ride that train with you because this team has completely did a 180 for me. I mean, we were so worried about how those first two games started and be like, is this really the team that was so hyped up about? You know, it was them and Coolidge. Like, those were the uh, two of the teams that we thought were going to make the biggest leaps this year. And Vista Grande has finally turned that tide and is the hottest team in Pinal County right now. Regardless of division, regardless of what the records say, they are hitting on all cylinders. And I know come Friday night, uh, they're going to take it to uh, the Empire Ravens. Even though this is a region game, it's going to be a good game. And I hope that I hope it's close. You know, I want I want to see a very competitive game. But you know what? I wouldn't even mind if you saw a Vista Grande uh, blow them out because I want to be able to capture all those moments uh, come Friday night. And you know they want good videos. And, and how many times are we going to get messages from like Angel or somebody like, hey, we need to come take them flicks. Hey, I'm coming and I'm coming to take fire flicks. So you guys better be ready to, to ball out. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, but let's wrap up. Our last game of the weekend, uh, which will take place on Saturday, 
And this one, I, man, if we were able to attend two games in a week, I would want it to be this game. You have a lot up for grabs uh, with this game. Uh, region play is a factor. Region championships are on the line come Saturday afternoon as the Gilbert Christian Knights will take on the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. And Gilbert Christian uh, comes in at 6-2 and two and number 11 in the 2A division and also the number one team in the 2A Gila region. While Sequoia Pathway sits at 4-4 four and four and sits at number 16 in the 2A division and is number two in the 2A Gila region. So a lot to play for. What are you expecting uh, Saturday afternoon as the Pumas and Knights take the field? I'm expecting the Pumas to win this one. They're going to be at home. It's going to be a Saturday game, a little bit uncharacteristic because they're used to, you know, everybody's used to playing on Fridays. But yeah, this is going to be a close one. It's not going to be a game where we see them running off with it. And if it is, so be it. I hope for, I, you know, I, I always welcome that. But they're going to be facing really tough competition in Gilbert Christian. And this is a game where you put all excuses aside and you go in and play all four quarters and give it your best. And I guarantee you, you do that. They're going to come out with a victory. And, and that's that's who I'm siding with, the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. I'm going to take the Pumas as well. And it's uh, because this team had its struggles uh, when uh, some players were out uh, in the middle of the season. But now that they're all back, it's like they haven't skipped a beat since week one when we saw them. You know, they're putting it on teams. I can only imagine what the score would have been last Friday if they were able to take on San Pasquale. But, I mean, they are kind of creating their three-headed monster in the backfield because you don't know who's going to shine out there. You know, uh, whether it's Norian or Elijah or or even Kevin, you know, uh, they have all been uh, producing. Uh, we already know uh, how physical they are on the defensive end. And then uh, you have uh, young Vinny Sanchez and his poise for a freshman and to be able to hit some throws that he probably shouldn't be making th- at this age. This team is built to make a strong playoff push and If they pick up this victory, I guarantee you that they're going to get the respect from the AIA. What else are they going to prove? You know, it's like they beat the number one team in their region, and now the AIA got to put some respect on their name. And I know that's uh, Coach D's favorite word is respect. Well, you know what? I'm going to give uh, Sequoia Pathway all the respect because I do feel that they have what it takes to knock off the night. I couldn't have said it better myself, bro. That That's exactly what's going to happen this saturday we're going to be attending a couple of birthday parties my son's going to be having his first birthday party you're going to be having a party at the same park as well um so we won't be able to make it but we wish all our teams the best of luck this week and we got a little something extra before we close out we're going to talk about our stat leaders yeah i definitely uh wanted to uh incorporate something different And kind of thanking all of our teams for finally updating all their stats. And now we can finally provide you with our stat leaders. Why don't you go ahead and uh, take it this week? So we have a breakdown of passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards, total touchdowns, tackles, sacks, and interceptions. Who are uh, holding the number one spots in those categories? Let's talk about our stat leader for interceptions. That is David Roboloth of the Santan Foothills Sabercats, and he has four INTs. Our sacks leader is Bobby Gayton with 6.5 from the Post and Butte Broncos. Our tackles leader is Travis Mbuya from ALA Ironwood with 102. And our total touchdown leader is none other than Tanner Hale of the Combs Coyotes with 26. Our receiving yards leader is Hunter Clare with 544, also from the Combs Coyotes. Our rushing yards leader is Norian Banks from the Sequoia Pathway Pumas with 1,027 yards. Now, this is our biggest number yet. Our passing yards leader is Tanner Hale with 1,215 yards. Congratulations to all these student athletes on their accomplishments. And the season isn't even over yet, so... There is plenty of room for improvement and flexing on these numbers. Oh, yeah. It was fun to uh, sit there and finally uh, put all the names across the board and sit there and see where they all ranked. 
And like you said, uh, they, I expect uh, some of these uh, numbers to change and some of these names because there's only uh, two games left in the 2A and 3A uh, season and uh, still four more uh, for the 4A and 5A teams. But either way it goes, I know that it's going to be a fun uh, last stretch uh, for this football season before we uh, jump into the playoffs. Uh, but I think we uh, covered a lot this week, uh, you know, brought something new uh, and exciting. And I can't wait to uh, get out there uh, at Empire. I have not been there since I broke my pinky uh, back in uh, 2009, which was our senior year. Dang, that shows how old we are. But, uh, you know, so it's going to be exciting to uh, finally uh, make it back and see uh, how the uh, Ravens look. But uh, definitely excited to see uh, Vista Grande finally taking the field. Uh, is there anything else uh, that we missed that you might want to close on? All I got to say is just stay tuned for our upcoming raffle and our sweaters. Those are going to be coming in very soon in very limited supply. Less than 20. So, you know, be ready. Well, if that's all you have, brother, uh, I don't have anything else. Um, we'll see you uh, Friday night uh, down in Empire. But other than that, any last words? Take it easy.